Hello and welcome back to IT Varsity Tech Watch. I'm your host Bilal Katrada. And I'm your co-host Masihullah Katrada. Today we're going to be talking about IBM's 5 in 5 Part 2. Now in the previous episode we spoke about IBM's 5 in 5 technologies, meaning the 5 technologies that are going to radically change the world, change our lives and change business over the next 5 years. In the previous episode we spoke about the first two of those five technologies which had to do with agriculture and with minimizing food waste. Today we're going to talk about something completely different. Now when we talk about artificial intelligence, when we talk about computers, we talk about internet or things, we don't normally associate that with food. We normally associate it with self-driving cars, with cell phones, with with ultra high-tech technologies inside factories and offices but when it comes to the food we eat we generally don't think in terms of ultra high-tech technology we don't think in terms of artificial intelligence we don't think in terms of internet of things uh, gadgets now today that's exactly what we're going to talk about we're going to explore how artificial intelligence is going to revolutionize the food industry. How? Let me ask you a question. How do you know that a certain food you're about to eat is off or not? You wake up in the morning, you pour your cereal in the bowl, you've got the milk there. How do you know that milk is off or that milk is good? Now, if the milk is really bad, it's really off, you can obviously smell it. Get that horrible awful stench from the milk but there's a point between good and off that you can't detect with your nose where the milk is just about to go off and not quite off yet but still bad enough for you to get an upset tummy if you drink it now another technique is to take the milk and put it on boil on the stove and see if it separates into curds then you know the milk is off. But even that that method will sometimes fail you if the milk is on its way to becoming off. Now, how do we know that that milk is off? How is there some way to detect? There's absolutely no way to detect. It's the same if you go to the butchery and you buy a meat item or you go to the vegetable store and you buy fruits or veggies. How do you know that's going to go off? Now, for the past century or so, we've had just a couple ways of examining our food. The one way is by visually or, or, or you know, looking at it or smelling it. But the other way is to send food to a lab for testing. Now, sending food to a lab could take a couple of weeks. By the time you freight it to the lab, by the time they find the time to test it and then Uh, send back the results it just takes too long so if you're sitting at a restaurant you're about to enjoy a meal you don't know whether that food is good or not you don't know whether that food is going to make you sick or not but now things are about to change because scientists researchers at IBM are developing a new kind of technology that is actually a scanner for food that can tell you whether food is good or whether food is not. Now, how do they do this? Masila is going to explain to us exactly how these food scanners work and 
what exactly this technology is all about. Masila, tell us about it. So the solution for uh, detecting this bad food comes in two parts. Now, every single year, around 600 million people, mostly infants, fall ill after consuming spoiled or rotten food. And that's a massive number, and I, I didn't even know that number was so high. Now, like you mentioned, testing food in a lab is very time-consuming, it's, uh, it's expensive, and it's prone to error. It's not a perfect system as yet. And we, we only do this test after a food poisoning incident has occurred. We, you know, there's no way to detect uh, before uh, we actually consume the food. I mean, that makes sense only if, you know, somebody complains at a restaurant that they ate at a restaurant and then they had food poisoning. Then the natural next step is to send that food to a lab for testing. But nobody pre-tests food before eating because we can't. I mean, imagine sitting there at the restaurant and saying, well, send this food to the lab. I want to test it if it's good. Uh, You know, if they don't throw you out of the restaurant, then uh, you're going to sit and wait two weeks before your food comes back. (laughs) Now, one team of researchers at IBM, headed by a guy called Gerard Dubois, has found a way to spy on the bacteria living in food and gathering data about them. Okay, so just like our bodies, food and basically any living uh, organism has bacteria living on it. And some of these bacteria are good and some of them are bad. Some of them uh, can damage uh, or can, can harm us and some of them we need to survive. Now, what, what they do is they can test the types of bacteria that live on certain types of food. For example, chicken has a set of microbes that live on it, while something like pork or steak or fish has a totally different set. Now, if you are testing chicken and you find the microbes that normally live on pork on chicken, then you know that something is wrong and you know that cross-contamination has, uh, has occurred. Now, I think in, the, in a similar way, when you're looking at a fruit, now a fruit, while it's, uh, and this is something I read somewhere, while it's still green, it has a set of bacteria on it. And as the fruit ripens, then you get a different set of bacteria actually living on that uh, on that food. So the bacteria alone will say exactly what state the fruit is in, whether it's green, whether it's ripe, whether it's overripe, whether it's about to spoil. So those bacteria on the food are like telltale signs. They're like little puzzles that are on the food, They're like little indicators that can tell us exactly what the food is, uh, you know, what's the state of the food, whether it's good to eat or not. Now, interestingly enough, this guy, Gerard Dubois, I I, uh, saw a video about him describing the challenge of the task ahead of them, and it it was phenomenal. He used an analogy. He said, think about a person who buys a thousand, thousand pieces jigsaw puzzles, right? And then what he does is he opens the boxes, and he takes all the puzzles from the thousand boxes and he puts them into one pile and he throws the boxes away. So there's no way to know exactly which piece goes into which puzzle. And there's no way to know what the end result should look like. So this is the complexity of what this guy Dubois and his team actually set out to do. And the good thing is 
you know, thanks to technology, thanks to the hard work and perseverance that they put in, they managed to crack this puzzle. Now, what they had to do was to look at food and try and identify every single species of bacteria that's living on a food item. And not just, you know, at any one time, but at any given time during that food's process from fresh to going to stale to, to off. So at each point, they take a snapshot of all the bacteria that are living on it. And the challenge for them was that they didn't know what to expect. They weren't looking for something specific to say, well, look, here's a type of bacteria we're looking for. That wasn't the case. The case here was that they had no idea what type of bacteria would be living on a lot of those foods. And they just went and they started looking for bacteria. And they did find bacteria. In fact, they found millions and millions and millions of bacteria. They found bacteria that we had never seen before. And they had to store all of that data. And that data just mounted up. It was tons and tons and tons of data. Because remember, it's such a complicated uh, situation with, with living organisms because bacteria sometimes look different even though they may be the same type of bacteria but depending on their, their habitat on what type of food they, they're living on they might mutate themselves a bit they may look a bit different so anyways these guys had to collect all of that data and they stored it into a database and it turned into a massive database really phenomenal phenomenally huge database and they uh, you know they just kept on storing in fact they say that uh, they stored they found bacteria all the bacteria that have produced that have been produced in the world over the past 10 years every single type of bacteria so you can imagine the size of that database the next thing they had to do was to use what we call in technology big data analysis so big data analysis basically means specialized artificial intelligence software that can go through massive amounts of data. So massive, it's just too much for human beings to understand. It's too much for human beings to make any sense of. So this specialized computer programs, they go into that database and they start scanning all of that data and they start making sense of it and they start sorting and analyzing the data and finding similarities between different types of data. Now, in this particular case, what it started doing was it started to look at all the bacteria that they found on a certain type of food, like Masula mentioned, chicken, for example, and all the different types of uh, bacteria that are found on meat. And it started cross-referencing those bacteria to see which bacteria are, are are same. In other words, there's bacteria living on chicken and there's bacteria living on, on mutton, for example. Are those two bacteria the same? Is it the exact same bacteria living uh, on those two different types of meats? So it would identify that. Then it would identify the bacteria that are different, that you, you'd find exclusively on chicken or bacteria that you'd find exclusively on mutton. And this system actually detected all that. It found all that. It mapped out all the bacteria that live on different types of food and also close to our food. And it 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 made a detailed analysis of these uh, different types of bacteria and presented its findings to uh, the the researchers. Now, what the researchers were able to do from that point forward was really truly amazing. And that's a 
you know, it's it's a testament to how advanced technology is gone. What they did was they created a map, a type of map. And when I talk about map, I don't mean a map of the world or a map of a place. I mean a map of the bacteria that live on our food. So they could now generate a list of all the different types of bacteria that you'd find on meat stuffs. And from that, all the different types of bacteria that you'd find on chicken exclusively. And then all the bacteria you'd find on chicken that is about to go bad or chicken that is already gone bad. At each stage, there's different types of bacteria living on that chicken. And it's phenomenal what these people have achieved. It's really, truly remarkable. Now, what's the benefits of, of this? The benefit is this, that you know, often it's, it's impossible to say what type of meat we're looking at after it's being cooked. But just by studying the bacteria on that meat, we'll be able to tell exactly what meat that is. Now, imagine going to a, a supermarket that claims to be halal, claims to be uh, Muslim-friendly, and uh, trying to d examine the types of uh, meat there uh, visually. There's no absolutely no way to tell the difference between the different meats. But this database will be able to tell you, okay, this, this bacteria, uh, you know, this meat contains certain bacteria, so this is definitely pork, or this meat contains uh, mutton, uh, or the, uh, contains ba bacteria uh, that live only on mutton, so it's, it has to be mutton. So we'll be able to tell if there's cross-contamination. But then the question arises that one is having all that information in a database somewhere, on a supercomputer sitting somewhere, but how do we exactly, how, how, how do we detect the bacteria living on, on food? We don't have any bacteria detection uh, uh, technologies. Or do we, Masula? I think that's the next thing you want to talk to us about. Yes, and we do, or we will. Now, like you said, having this data is useless if we have no way to detect the bacteria for ourselves. Now, that's where the second team of IBM researchers come in. And they are finding a way to uh, to be able to detect food using just your cell phone. Detect bacteria, you mean? Detect bacteria using your cell phone. Now, they've created this sensor. It's still a prototype, but this sensor can detect bacteria as small as one micron. Now, just to, just to understand how small that is, if you take one strand of your hair and cut it 75 times, that is how small one micron is and it's not like like putting the hair down and cutting it across 75 times this is like holding the hair upright yeah holding it upright and on the thin end you, you you're chopping it 75 times that's not even possible but had if it were possible to do that now w this uh gadget will scan the food and scan the bacteria on the food and it will cross-reference it against the database that gerard's team has uh has created Okay, perfect. So, so let me understand. So, you you got a food item in front of you. Let's say you got a, uh, a, you know, some meat in front of you. You scan it with your cell phone. The sensor can pick up even a one micron bacteria that's living there, and then it sends that information. It'll send it to the internet via the internet. It will check against Gerard's database, and within seconds, it will give you that information back. 
oh, almost like a police identity kit. Huh? So exactly. They, it identified a person and then it matches that against the criminal database. You say, well, he has a criminal. So in this case, it's um, identifying bacteria and then matching it. Okay, okay. And then I, I'm guessing it gives you feedback instantly. Exactly. On your cell phone, it's going to give you this, uh, it's going to give you a readout. It's going to tell you exactly what kind of bacteria it found. And it'll tell you whether or not this food is safe to eat or not. Wow. That's that's some pretty revolutionary technology. I mean, to be able to scan a food item and instantly get feedback about that food, it's phenomenal. It's going to change so much. I mean, what you mentioned earlier on, 600 million people get sick from eating uh, contaminated food every year. 600 million. That's a crazy number. That's close to a billion people. Now, imagine a, a, a world where that's a thing of the past now these sensors um are they going to be everywhere are they going to be cheap how how is it going to work they are going to be everywhere they're going to be small enough that you can have them all over your kitchen all over your house so in your fridge in your the drawers of your fridge in your freezers in your kitchen top on your cutting boards itself you'll be able to have these sensors Okay, so that was that was actually what uh, what I was concerned about because I mean it's pointless having such a brilliant system that is so expensive and out of, out of reach of the general public that you know only these uh, experts with white lab coats can can actually afford them and you know come and test our food. So we did still be a reliance on uh, on scientists to detect the food. So you mean we're gonna we, they're gonna be small and cheap enough to be everywhere? That's awesome. That's really really good. Now, what about the time frames? What are we looking at before the sensor becomes uh, widely used? Well, it's still in the prototyping phase, so we can expect it to go into production within a few years. So some say by 2020, it's going to go into production, and maybe by 2021, you'll actually be able to buy it. Wow, that's fantastic. And uh, I'm sure you'll find them at restaurants, at supermarkets, like you said, Definitely. Indefinitely in our homes. And it's going to be so cool. I mean, you just, before you you drink the milk, you just open it. That's going to be revolutionary. Now, these are, this is the next two technologies that, you know, IBM uh, researchers say that's going to change the world. And I think this is definitely going to change the world in a massive way. And what's, what's really good about it is that it can detect not just, you know, food that's gone off. From what I've read, it, it can also detect food that's got uh, poisonous bacteria that's not supposed to be even on that food. I mean, uh, there was a case in China not too long ago where a whole lot of babies just got very, very sick. Uh, and, they you know, it took weeks to determine what was wrong. Why did they get sick? Because it was like isolated in different parts of, uh, of China, but it was hundreds of, of babies. And what they found was that there was some kind of toxin inside the powder milk that they were drinking the factory unscrupulously put in a new ingredient without testing that ingredient and it it made the milk toxic for babies and a lot of babies got sick hundreds if not thousands of babies got sick and it was only weeks down the line imagine in that interim now the parents are are worried sick about their babies the baby is lying in hospital they don't know what's wrong doctors don't know what's wrong they're testing the baby for the wrong things they're testing the baby for for some kind of stomach illness. Meantime, it was a toxin inside 
that milk. Now, in the in the future, in the near future, we'll be able to detect that that toxin in the milk before the baby even drinks it. How awesome! Mom just scans the food with her cell phone or scans the milk with her cell phone, and the baby will uh, or, or that scanner will give the the, the mom the proper reading and the baby will be safe from any possible toxins that they might be in that food this is going to be revolutionary technology but in any case that's all we have time for today and uh, uh, it's been a really interesting topic i'm i'm I, I don't think i've been as excited about any technologies as i am about this one anyways that's a wrap for today's episode catch us in the next episode of technology watch where we discuss the fifth of the five technologies that uh, IBM researchers are developing. This is Technology Watch. I'm Bilal Katrada. And I'm Masihullah Katrada. And we'll catch you the next time.